If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey everyone, on today's episode of Games with Bill, we're going to do a few things, starting with a test of a new microphone. Let me know what you think of how it sounds, either in the comments section down below on YouTube or at me on Twitter. I'm at RunJumpStomp. In addition to that, we're going to be talking about PlayStation adding variable refresh rates. We're going to talk about Steam Deck having a new opt-in survey feature, and I have complaints about Tiny Tina's Wonderland. If all of that sounds good, let's get started. Hey everybody, Bill from the future here. I was getting ready to sit down and edit this video, and while I was at work today, apparently both Nintendo and Sony decided, we're just going to make Bill have to add a bunch of stuff to his show that he's already recorded and was ready to sit down and edit. So thanks, thanks for that, you guys. I want to start with Nintendo. Nintendo, oh, if you've been watching my content for any length of time, you know that Breath of the Wild is my favorite game of all time. And so when Nintendo announced that they were making a sequel to Breath of the Wild, my hype level went like absolutely through the roof, especially because it was such a surprise. And I anticipated that it would be coming in uh, the end of 2019. That didn't happen. I then said, okay, it'll happen at the end of 2020. That didn't happen. And then I assumed it would happen at the end of 2021. That didn't happen, and then I assumed it would happen on the anniversary, the five-year anniversary of Breath of the Wild 1, which was March 3rd, and that didn't happen. So we all, myself included, assumed that, all right, it's got to be Christmas this year. This is going to be their tentpole game for 2022, and that's not happening either. Mr. Eiji Onuma, the director of the Zelda franchise, just put out a video today on Nintendo's official Twitter and YouTube channel saying, sorry, it's going to be spring 2023 before you get to revisit Hyrule. And I'm super, super disappointed by that. But I also want the game to be as good as it possibly could. So I'm going to have to deal with that disappointment and look forward to playing that game when it does come out. Incidentally, I do think now's the best time for them to re-release some other games onto the Nintendo Switch that are not on the Nintendo Switch. Some other Zelda games like Wind Waker. Uh, like, is Phantom Hourglass on there? I don't think Phantom Hourglass is. Uh, maybe Minish Cap redone in the theme of uh, Link's Awakening, where they kind of redid everything with that tilt-shift effect to it. We need some Zelda in our lives in 2022, Nintendo, we're counting on you to make that happen. So I've got a couple of videos that I'm working on around the Steam Deck, and as part of making those videos, I'm loading a lot of different games onto the Steam Deck and playing them for a little bit and then quitting them. And I've been noticing this little green check mark that has been showing up. And I didn't even realize that this was this new thing that Valve was doing until I saw this blog post. I just thought maybe they've been doing this all along and I'd never noticed. But it's a, it's a brand new thing. Let me show you the blog post. Here's what they have to say. 
We're adding a new feature to Steam Deck today to support gathering feedback from players by directing by asking direct questions about your experiences. This is an opt-in feature. We'll ask you once if you're open to answering questions and you can opt out at any time. How it works. After playing a game on deck, you may be presented with a question. Can we occasionally ask you for feedback? Your decision on whether to participate is saved to the new Steam Deck Ask Me for Feedback option in your account preferences and can be changed at any time. Opting into the system by answering yes means that your deck may start asking you direct questions about your experiences. For example, after playing a verified title, we may ask whether or not that rating matches the experience you just had in the game. It's been a month since Steam Deck launched, and we're just getting started. As more and more customers get their hands on deck, the data from those opted in combined with all the other feedback and data sources will help us understand how we can best improve the experiences across the board. I think that this is a fantastic thing that Valve is doing because it's clear to me there's no way that they can go through and play all of the games that they have verified. I'm sure that they're loading those games up and trying them out, but they can't play them all the way through. And invariably, the longer that you play a game, the chances of you running into or encountering some kind of bug that is giving you an issue continually gets higher and higher. And because of that, I think that like I think that there was even a video where Linus Tech Tips talked about I'm going to say it was Horizon Zero Dawn and he said that at the near the end of the game he was running into crashing issues on deck and he was complaining that this is not a good experience for a game that is supposed to be verified and I absolutely 100% agree with him. If a game is verified, it should work very console like where you buy the game, you download it, and you're playing it, and there's no issues. And that's not the case for that particular game, even though it's been verified by Valve. Valve, I'm sure, did everything that they could, but they cannot play every game all the way through. So there's going to be some where we run into this issue. So having the community let them know that, hey, you know what? I don't know if I would agree that this game should be marked as verified, I think that that's a really good thing because it'll remove that green verified checkmark from a game that doesn't really deserve it. And I think that the sooner that you can make that happen, the better. I almost think that this shouldn't be an opt-in option. It should just be something that should be opt-out where you can say, you know what, never ever ask me this again. But unless somebody hits the never ever ask me this again, ask them every single time that they play. And I bet you there's going to be people who argue with me on this, but ask people every time they play, as soon as they finish, just say, how'd that go for you? A quick yes or no. And I can just reach over and tap it on the screen. That's fairly non-intrusive. And the benefit to everybody would be way, way higher. Speaking of games that are not behaving the way that um, I guess that that you would like. I want to move on and talk about my experience with Tiny Tina's Wonderland. Um, I gotta say I'm pretty unhappy. Now, I just figured this out right before I sat down to record this video. So, it is 100% possible that I am completely wrong about this. And if so, please let me know in the comments down below because I'm I'm pretty irritated. So, 
I was kind of on the fence about whether or not I was going to get Tiny Tina's Wonderland. And then I decided very last minute, I said, oh, you know what? I'm going to do a live stream. So I'm going to go ahead and pre-order it. And that way it'll download and install while I'm at work. And then when I get home from work, I can sit down and do a live stream. And I did that. And if you were there for the live stream, thanks for coming by and hanging out. If you weren't there for the live stream and you want to see those live streams, head on over to youtube.com slash nerdnest, hit subscribe, and turn on the bell so that you can find out about when those live streams are. But I sat down, I did the live stream, and as I was playing, I was running into huge stuttering issues. And I was really, really disappointed to see that. Um, I was playing on my Xbox Series X, and those stuttering issues were very distracting. And it made me, like, I ended up tweeting out anybody else running into this issue, and other people were saying, yes, that they were running into this issue. But I was talking to uh, my co-host, Lloyd, about this, and I said, hey, this is really frustrating, because he was wondering if he should pick up the game, and I was like, I don't know, the stuttering issue is kind of frustrating. And then he asked a question that I'm really upset that I didn't know enough about. He asked which version of the game that I got. And up until now, pretty much for my Xbox, every game that I've purchased has been like cross-gen. And I think Microsoft called it smart delivery, but they actually have two things. They have cross-gen games and then they have smart delivery. And pretty much every game that I have bought or played on my Xbox Series X so far has been... Uh, like a smart delivery version, or I, I just haven't had to worry about it. Well, apparently, Tiny Tina's Wonderland does not support smart delivery. It supports cross-gen game, where if you buy the Xbox Series S slash X um, supported version, then that version costs $10 more, and the other version costs $10 less, so 60 versus $70. And Honestly, I, I think we've all talked to death the idea of whether or not $70 is okay for a game. I want to take that argument and set it aside for now. And what I want to talk about instead is the fact that when I bought this game, there were a bunch of different versions that I could buy. And I looked and I said, well, I don't need all that extra crap. And I, I maybe it's on me because I didn't look at everything. But I decided I don't need all that extra crap. I'm just going to buy the cheapest version and play it. Because I assumed that I was getting the same game by buying the base game. And all the other stuff was just, you know, DLC and stuff like that. That's not the case, however. What actually is the case is that I bought the Xbox One version of the game, not the Xbox Series version of the game. And sure, it works, but that means I bought the wrong version of the game. I thought, okay. When Lloyd asked me about that, I said, I'll check when I get home. I got home. I looked it up. Sure enough, I bought the wrong version. So I was like, okay, well, what, where's the upgrade bath? Can I buy 10? I'll spend 10 extra bucks to get the, the fancier version. Sure, why not? There's no upgrade path. I can't go and buy $10 to upgrade from the Xbox One version to the Xbox Series version. And that, my friends, is just idiotic. Now, I don't currently know what Microsoft's return policy is, because I have played this game for more than two hours, 
and I'm guessing that I'm probably past the return window, and there's no way for me to return this game so that I can turn around and buy the version that I actually want. And for me, that is unacceptable. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that that's what Microsoft has decided to do, or 2K games, whoever's at fault here, and part of the blame is on me for not reading the fine print, but I shouldn't have to when it comes to buying a video game, I should just be able to buy a video game. And you know what? Have them pop up a giant thing in front of me that says, hey, dummy, you're about to buy a game for the old system and you're playing on the new system. Are you sure that you don't want to buy the fancy version for only $10 more? If that were the case, I would have said, oh yeah, sure. They would have gotten 10 more dollars out of me and I would have been a happier customer. Because what I'm running into with the Xbox Series One or the Xbox One version of the game is a lot of frame drops. And I'd like to assume that the Xbox Series XS optimized version of the game would not have those issues. But at the same time, I certainly don't want to spend another $70 to find out. And not being able to just spend the $10 to get the upgrade is very, very frustrating. Plus, you would think that the Xbox Series X version of the, or the Xbox Series X, which is what I'm playing on, playing the Xbox One version of the game would have very few frame rate issues at all. In fact, I've heard many people talk about that's the best way to play Elden Ring on the PS5 is to buy the PS4 version of the game and then play that on your PS5 and you get a higher frame rate. It just goes to show you that the, the the current issue with games having all of these different versions of the game where it's confusing for the end customer is getting to a point where it's just too much. And when I have to read the fine print to figure out which version of the game that I am already that I'm going to buy, I feel like we've already lost. And I don't know what to do about that. But I wanted to complain to you guys and let me know if there's some solution that you know about in the comments down below or at me on Twitter. I'm at RunJumpStomp. Speaking of Microsoft, this is a real quick thing that I want to add in. Um, There's been some debate on whether or not Game Pass is good for video game sales or bad for video game sales. And we recently had GDC and Microsoft spoke at GDC and Benji Sales, who I follow on Twitter, uh, went through and they captured some very interesting information from Microsoft pre- Microsoft's presentation. I'm going to look at my phone so that I can get this right. Here's what they had to say. Game Pass stats from Microsoft at GDC. Subscribers to Game Pass play 40% more games after joining. Which, if you are a game developer, not a publisher, the publishers are the one that is the ones that are most worried about whether or not you buy their game. The developers are the ones that are like making art that they want you to experience. That is an amazing thing that forty percent more games are getting tried than otherwise would have. That's fantastic because that means that people are having game experiences that they otherwise wouldn't have, and that's awesome. They also said, uh, where did it go? Games on average see an 8.3 times lift in players. Day one launches see 3.5 times lift in players from large publishers. And for indies, a 15 
times lift in players. So that means 15 times more players are playing indie games on launch day than otherwise would, which is huge for indies because they are really the people who are out there making the art for themselves, not necessarily because they've been hired to do a job, which is just amazing. They also went on to say, and this is really telling, that subscribers spend 50% more So if I subscribe to Game Pass and I'm playing a game, I am 50% more likely to spend money on that game, either through DLC or some kind of, I don't know, cosmetic or something, which is very good for games as a whole. And then finally, indies see a triple-digit revenue growth over just selling their game. I think that this goes to show you that the subscription model for video gaming, whether you like it or not, is good for the people who are making games because those people are making more money and getting their games in front of more people than ever before thanks to Game Pass. And I personally think that that's a fantastic thing because that means that people are more likely to take chances on weird outlier kind of games instead of the tried and true formulaic stuff that we always get because they're getting so much more out of it. And I think that at the end of the day, if you are a fan of video games, that's what you want to have. You want to have more people trying a more diverse cadre. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. I'm not sure. But a more diverse spectrum of video games out there instead of yet another third-person zombie shooter with uh, RPG mechanics tacked on. Hey everybody, Bill from the future again. Uh, Now I want to talk about PlayStation because Sony also dropped some big news today and that news is that they are now announcing PlayStation Plus, which is their competition or their competitive service to Game Pass. And there's things that Sony is doing that I think is uh, the right way to go. And there's things that Sony's not doing that I think is the wrong way to go. I want to start with the things that I like that they're doing. They're doing this in tiers effectively. So there's a cheaper version and then a more expensive and then a most expensive version, which I think is good because it allows each customer to decide what part of this plan is most important to them and choose the subscription that fits best to both their wallet and their play style, which I think is really, really good. Uh, Let's talk about the PlayStation Plus. It's in three tiers. First is PlayStation Plus Essential, and I'm going to uh, read a few things off of my phone here for this. Uh, There's PlayStation Plus Essential, which if you're already subscribed to PlayStation Plus, that's essentially, uh, no no play on words intended, that's what you're already paying for, and there's really no changes. That's just the the default plan. And uh, let's move on to PlayStation Plus Extra. Uh, PlayStation Plus Extra gives you all of the essential stuff, but it also adds a catalog of up to 400, with a little asterisk there, uh, of the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games, including blockbuster hits from our PS Studios catalog and third-party partners. Games in the extra tier are downloadable for play. Uh, The price is $15 a month, so it's a 50% increase in charge. Uh, Now let's move on to PlayStation Premium. PlayStation Premium has all the same stuff from Essential and Extra, but it also has 340 
with a little asterisk, more games on top of PlayStation Plus Extra. Uh, and it has PS3 games available via cloud streaming, a catalog of classic games available in both streaming and download options from original PlayStation and PlayStation 2 and PSP generations. They also offer cloud streaming access for original PlayStation, PS2, PSP, and PS4 games. This is offered on the extra and premium tiers, but only in locations where you actually can take advantage of that because you can't have cloud streaming in every single country. It's just too tough to get the infrastructure out there. And they also said time-limited game trials will also be offered in that tier. This is the uh, premium tier. Uh, so you know, you, customers can try games before they buy them. It's not going to be every game. It's just going to be some games. Uh, and that's going to be $17.99 per month, which, you know, $2 more on top of what you're already paying for the PlayStation Plus extra tier, I think is fair. Um then there is the PlayStation Plus Deluxe, and this is only available in markets where you can't take advantage of the premium tier stuff that has cloud stuff. So basically they're saying everything that the premium version has without the cloud stuff because it's not available in your market. And that price is going to be, I'm looking at my phone real quick, uh, it doesn't say the actual price, I'm guessing it's depending on your market, and... Um, uh, we'll find out what that is at a later time. Now, the thing, that's that's what I, th I like what they're doing, where they're giving the different tiers and making sure that people are only paying for what they want to pay for. I think that that's great. And I think Microsoft can take a page from that book and they're going to be, uh, I think that they would be, they would make a lot of happy customers if they did it that way. So now let's move on to the part about this that I think that Sony is missing the boat. One of the things that makes Game Pass so attractive, and there's a lot of things that makes Game Pass attractive, but one of the things that makes Game Pass super attractive is the fact that just about every, sing, uh, every single first-party game from Microsoft Studios is included in your subscription. You don't have to buy them. That's a very, very compelling argument. And a lot of people, myself included, were assuming that when PlayStation announced whatever their competitor to Game Pass was, that it would include that. And apparently, it doesn't. Now, we don't know how many games from uh, PlayStation Studios will be included, but apparently they are not going to be including every single game in the subscription. And it just seems really odd to me, because that's obviously where the comparison goes. What games are included with my subscription? Well, some, but we don't know which ones. And with Microsoft, they're basically saying all of your first-party games are included in your subscription. That makes me much more likely to spend money on Game Pass than PlayStation. Although, at the same time, time I don't have access to a PS5 anyway, so who am I to really complain about this? Let me know what you guys think of the uh, PlayStation plans in the comment section down below or at me on Twitter. All right, let's get back to Bill from the past, I guess. Let's switch gears and talk about PlayStation. The PS5 is going to be getting an update soon that will add variable refresh rate to any game at all, and it's going to be up to the player whether or not that they want to turn it on. And I think that this is a really fantastic thing. First, I want to link this back to my experience with the Steam Deck. 
I am first and foremost a console gamer. I played PC games for years, but really I play more console games than anything else. And because of that, I'm used to games just working the way that they are supposed to work and there's not really much you can do about it. Well, since I've had the Steam Deck for uh, over a month at this point, um, one of the things that I've noticed is the quick access menu. I push that quick access menu and I turn on all of the little telemetry stuff that tells me how my game is running. And then I go into the settings and I kind of adjust a few things until I get it either at a solid 30 or at a solid 60, depending on what game it is. If I can't get it at a solid 60, then what I will do is I will adjust it to get the best graphics that I can. And then I will turn on frame limiting down to 30 frames per second so that I have a more consistent experience as I'm playing. And I think that that's really uh, not necessarily forced me to, but caused me to pay more close attention to how the games are running for me. I'm never going to be a pixel peeper, somebody who says, ah, this is 4K and this is um, 1800p, like that kind of thing. I'm never going to be somebody that says, well, this is 54 frames per second, so clearly that's not as good as 60 frames per second. I'm pretty happy as long as it's consistent. Uh, but the ability for me to easily see what's happening on my, and I'm going to call it a console, feel free to be mad at me if you want, tell me why I'm wrong in the comments down below, but it's like a console to me. The ability for me to take my console and see exactly what's happening with it, and then adjust things as I see fit, has caused me to, I think, have a better video game experience than I normally am used to. And on consoles, there really isn't a way for you to easily see how many frames per second you're getting, like that kind of thing. And I think that we should add that. The, the quick access menu is fantastic on the Steam Deck, and I would love to have that on Nintendo Switch, on Xbox, on PlayStation, because it would allow me to see how many frames I'm getting, and then I could switch it over to performance mode or something and see how many frames I'm getting, and then understand better the changes that I'm making. Now, of course, most of the time on consoles, you don't have that many options for changing the way that your game is displayed. The devs figure that stuff out for you. And I like that they do that, but I also like to have the option to fiddle just a little bit, which is very different than how I expected to feel after playing with the Steam Deck a bit. All of that being said, it leads me back to the PlayStation 5. And the PlayStation 5 is giving players the option for variable refresh rate. And it's going to work on any game, and they're going to leave it up to the players. So the players can turn it on, see how the game plays, and then maybe they decide, I don't want that on, so I'm going to turn it off. Or maybe they can decide, you know what, I really like it with variable, variable refresh, refresh rate on, I'm going to leave it on. And I think that that's going to be not necessarily a game changer, but it's going to be better for more people. 
And I think that that's a good thing. Let's see exactly what Sony had to say. Gameplay in many PS5 titles feels smoother as scenes render instantly, graphics look crisper, and input lag is reduced. This is over at the PlayStation blog. Previously released PS5 games can run fully optimized for variable refresh rate through a game patch, and future games may include variable refresh rate support at launch. This feature may improve video quality for some games if this results in any unexpected visual effects. You can turn this option off at any time. I think that Sony's doing the right thing here. I like this, and I think it is blurring the lines a little bit, just a little bit, between consoles and PC. Very similar to how the Steam Deck is blurring the lines between console and PC. All right, three quick stories in the lightning round, and then we are out of here. Number one, The Witcher 4 has been announced, and the game director has said, we are not going to do any crunch. I think that that's fantastic. Whether or not they actually stick to that, we'll see. Because we've seen many companies say there's not going to be any crunch. And then we've heard employees complain about crunch. If you don't know what crunch is, basically near the end of, well, it's supposed to be near the end. But near the end of a video game's development process, a lot of times employees are encouraged to put in a lot more hours in order to make sure that they meet the deadlines that have been set for them by publishers. I've complained about this quite a bit because I think that developers should have a good work-life balance and crunch kind of gets in the way of that. And crunch in recent years has been expanding and expanding and expanding almost to the point where it seems like developers are always under some kind of crunch. So for a big game like The Witcher 4 from CD Projekt Red to say, we're not going to have any crunch, that's very important. We'll see if it actually happens. This next one I'm very cautiously optimistic for, and that is Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. The reason that I am cautiously optimistic for this is because A, I love Ghostbusters. B, I really do like those games where it's uh, asynchronous, not asynchronous, a, maybe it is asynchronous multiplayer where different players are on different sides and they are having a different experience. And the the examples that I would give would be the Predator Survival Grounds, I think is the name of that one, uh, Friday the 13th, Dead by Daylight, which are all horror-based games. And when when I think of that genre, I like the genre. I don't so much like the horrorness of it. So like when I play Dead by Daylight and the bad guy catches me and puts me on a hook and my character screams, not a fan. But what I am a fan of, I am a huge fan of, is Ghostbusters. And Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, where you can either play as the four Ghostbusters going up against a ghost, or you can play as the ghost, that sounds really, really fun to me. Now, I've heard not so great things about the Friday the 13th game. It's supposed to be not great, and this is made by the same devs, so hopefully this is not just a skin on that game and there's more to it than that it remains to be seen and i'm sure i'll talk about it at some point in the future so if you're hyped for that let me know in the comments down below speaking of things that we should be hyped for one of the games that i've been playing this year that i am absolutely in love with is vampire survivors and i've been playing it on steam deck a lot the issue is is when you're doing really really well 
you run into an issue where there's so much happening on the screen that the game just gets, it slows down to like 10 frames per second or even less than that because there's so much happening in the the Steam Deck is a fantastic machine, but it's not a magical device. And it doesn't have an infinite amount of CPU. And when you have that much happening on the screen, something's got to give, and it's the frame rate. Well, the developers have said they, they've got a bunch of new stuff coming, but I don't care any bit about all that new stuff that's coming except for this. They're going to implement a brand new engine for the game. And that new engine is supposed to reduce the frame rate issues that you get when you get deep into a game of Vampire Survivor. If you haven't checked that game out, it's such a weird game. You don't push any buttons. You just move the joystick around. It's incredibly fun. It's incredibly addictive. I love the art style to it. It's awesome. I love everything about the game. And it's like three bucks. It's only $3 for this game. So it's absolutely something that you should try out. All right, everybody, that's it for this episode of Games with Bill. Thanks for hanging out with me. Let me know how it looked, how it sounded. I've got a brand new setup. I've got brand new lights over here. I bought a new microphone uh, just so I can try and do this a little bit different. I'm really enjoying making these videos. I hope that you're enjoying watching them. Let me know what you think in the comments down below, and then watch this video right here.